0: Hey you guys, Kokomoko here and today's podcast is a special interview with One of my mutuals her name is jordan also known as jay-z eat and one of the reasons that i really wanted to talk to her was number one she has been in the content creation game since 2013 on instagram before we really even had a word influencer that meant anything so she's seen it all i feel like one year in influencer life is Like 10 years in real life, it's like dog years. You learn so much every single year because things are always changing. And so I really wanted to pick her brain. And then also, one of the most fascinating things to me is someone who works in the food space because we talk about it in the podcast, but food is such a lucrative part of. Content creation, I think it's one of the most lucrative niches because you are selling a product that people have to buy three or more times a day. like. You always have to buy food, you're always looking for new food or good food that you can buy over and over again, and that is why creators that live in this food space, they could have one-tenth the following of everyone else, and they are probably running laps around everyone in terms of um, how much money they're making and the impact that they're having on their followers' day-to-day lives. Even, for example, Selena Gomez launched an HBO cooking show. Paris Hilton just put out a pot and pans line. I mean, there's a reason that the you know wealthiest, most well-known celebrities are also clawing to get into the food space. And so that is why I wanted to talk to Jay-Z Eats. I feel like She has a really interesting perspective because she's been doing it for so long now and she's really seen the influencer space change over the years Um, and it was just I learned so much talking to her like this interview I really loved. I was learning so much myself, and that's always when I know that you guys are going to love the podcast as well. So with that being said, I really hope you guys enjoy this interview. If you haven't already, rating my podcast, whether it's one star, two, three, four, five, whatever is your genuine reaction to my podcast, those ratings really, really help me. I always say ratings are like currency in the podcast world, and I just love reading them. So thank you guys so much for engaging with my podcast Tag me in videos, let me know who you want me to have on next for an interview, and I really hope you guys enjoy this. Thank you so much. First question, can you tell my audience a little bit about who you are and what your background is?
1: Yes. So I'm Jordan, and I run a food blog called Jay-Z Eats. It started around 2013, um, and I really just started it as a hobby because I loved food. And back then, there weren't really any creators um, on the app, at least none that I followed. I didn't know that food accounts existed or fashion accounts or anything like that. Um, and I don't think the term influencer was even around back then. And If it was, I had never heard of it. Um, I would just post food that I was cooking at home and where I was going out to eat. It was usually local restaurants and like a little bit of travel. Um, and then I also used it to teach myself how to use social media for marketing purposes because I was in the marketing industry, but I really wanted – to get into social media marketing. And Mm -hmm. every job that I applied for said you needed experience. And I'm like, well, how am I gonna get the experience if you won't hire me and give me the chance? Um, So I used my social media account to teach myself how to run ads on Facebook and Instagram, and then ultimately land myself a job working in social media, which at the time was my goal. So that was really exciting. Um, and so with that, I have a corporate marketing background. I worked the nine to five life for about Mm -hmm. six years before taking a huge leap of faith in 2019 to pursue Jay-Z Eats full time. Um, my, my passion for food really started when I was a kid, grabbing everything from the produce shelves while I was sitting in the grocery cart and my mom was grocery shopping. Um, growing Mm -hmm. up, I experience like so many different types of foods from both of my parents my dad taught me what I call intuitive cooking which is how to cook without a recipe so he would teach me how to like mm. smell different ingredients know what they tasted like taste the herbs in their like raw form from his wow. garden and just smell them and just know intuitively how which which dishes they go with what proteins they pair with um I can't even explain it. It's just something that I just know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's really cool. Um, My mom, she loved cooking too, but she also took me to really cool restaurants and we traveled a lot. So I did get to experience a lot of different types of foods, different types of cuisines from a really early age. And back then in my childhood, I was like, this is normal. And so it actually wasn't until my mid to late 20s when I started just talking to my friends about how they grew up that I realized that that was really unique and I was really lucky to have mm-hmm. experienced that.
0: Wow. Yeah. I a couple of points I like that caught my eye. One, when you said there really wasn't a term for influencer, that's so true because I think of – so in 2013, I was – like nearing the end of my high school days and i remember social media was so much of like it was just like a a way it was like a more fancier way to text your friends almost and like share photos like it wasn't seen as a career at all i remember people would have sleepovers and then make like a facebook album and just post a ton of like the same looking selfies that you could tell they had taken over and over again and so there wasn't really and then on top of just the influencer part back then there wasn't niches on social media. Like there wasn't people who specialized in food or like, I guess the makeup gurus were starting to kind of come to be at that point on YouTube. But to be a YouTuber, it was a very like conscious decision to be a creator. Whereas um back on Instagram and stuff, it was like – um it was still seen as more of a a communication app, not a content creation specific app. Um, And then when you said that you had a corporate social media job, was that, um, were you doing marketing for food brands or was it something else and then you just continued to do food on your own that you enjoyed?
1: So I had a couple different jobs and Mm -hmm. some of them were in agencies and I did get to work with some food related clients but not many um I did have a lot of clients in like boring industries um and I did have a client that was a yacht um yacht uh charting company so it was cool we got to go out on one um that's fun but no I didn't I didn't work with a ton of food accounts Mm -hmm. and um yeah, I don't know. I just I didn't have that much experience doing it from like the brand marketing side. But when I did get to do it, yeah. it was a lot of fun, and it was something mm-hmm. that just like immediately, and I was just like, you "I get
0: that." Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, and and then just the last point. I love that you were saying how, um, like with your dad, it was the herbs and the cooking, and then your mom also was going out because I think that people sometimes forget, and we'll get into this later about really just, at least for me working behind the scenes in social media, like I don't think people on the outside realize how uh, like self-sustaining and lucrative food creation can be. Um, Like even if you don't have the most followers, there's just, I think there's certain reasons why it brings in so much money. But um, so many people focus on being the chefs, but not everyone focuses on like the ones that go out kind of like the Anthony Bourdain's that are going out and like going to restaurants and trying food because that's also its own art form is being able to like find these restaurants, review restaurants, or like just out out in the world as well um, on top of just being the one who's cooking. But I guess um, I think of like Keith Lee, he's kind of, I think, making a whole new generation of people who like to review food out and about as well. Um, Okay, great. And then so you mentioned starting in 2013, what have you learned now that you've been a creator for 10 years because I feel like a creator for 10 years in that's like it's like dog years. I feel like you've seen so much. It's like you've been doing this for 100 years. But what have you learned?
1: Yeah, I've I've learned a lot. Um, mm-hmm. you know, things are constantly changing and one of the big things I've learned is that if you don't evolve with the new technologies, platforms, algorithms, yeah. trends, etc, you will be left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I learned is that you need to be careful how you say things, how you word them, because even though these people might be watching you on your Instagram stories every day and they think they know you, they don't know you the way that you know you and the way your mm-hmm. friends and your family know you, because they only get small glimpses of you and your life yeah. and your personality, even though they feel like you have Instagram storied your entire day. Mm-hmm.
0: My audience
1: is mainly being five to 10% of my life. And Mm -hmm. I bet they'd be shocked to hear that because they think that they see it all. Yeah. Um, And so with that, they might take something that you say the wrong way. They Mm -hmm. might not understand your sense of humor the way that your close friends and family who have Mm -hmm. conversations with you daily or weekly understand. And so you really do need to be careful how you word things. Um, Another thing is that it's really easy to get caught up in the comparison game, but you Mm. can't compare yourself to other creators. And I know people say this time and time again, but I just think it's really important to hammer that home because even when you're not thinking about it you're not consciously comparing yourself to someone else you might be comparing yourself to someone else um mm-hmm. so it's just important to stay conscious of staying out of that comparison game you don't know what else they have going on behind the scenes how many people mm-hmm. are on their team helping with their workload or maybe they just have more free time to create content on social media than you do and so they can mm-hmm. pump out so much content way faster than you which will then make them grow faster. And so you might be looking at somebody like they started after I did, and they have more followers than me. And you're in this comparison game, yeah. and that's just a waste of time. You need to spend that yeah. time growing your own account or your business and focusing on you and what it is you're doing and you want to do.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I, I love that, that point. Um, there's also a, sometimes I think like the, um, with the comparison game, also I, I sometimes remind myself that like there, there's two things I remind myself of. One, if you're into like more of the spirituality, I always say, the universe always shows me things. That are gonna come to me soon through other people. So I try not to get jealous. Like, if I see someone who makes very similar content to me, I'm not like, oh crap, like they're coming for me. I'm like, okay, their video going viral, like that's awesome. Like, they got this cool opportunity to speak at this event. Maybe that's a sign, like the universe is showing me, like that's something I could do because I have a similar audience. And then, two, if someone grows super fast, that's awesome. I've had moments where I've grown so fast, I felt like my world was changing overnight. But the faster you grow, sometimes, the faster your shelf life is. And so I I think there's a girl, her name's um, Katie Socials and she made a video, she's like, you almost don't want to go viral all the time because it can pigeonhole you and it's sometimes better to have a slow growth, a slow consistent growth versus being known for one video because then people are never gonna be open to knowing you any other way. So yeah, if anyone's like comparing themselves, it's, you know, sometimes everything's working out. And I always say, you just have to keep showing up and eventually the algorithm is, gonna like you you just you have to just keep showing up and that applies to all apps as well but um my next question I is
1: love that. i think that's yeah. really great and i do remember yeah. you mentioning something similar to that mm-hmm. on i think maybe one of your tiktok videos or maybe it was another podcast that you mm-hmm. did but i remember hearing you say something along those lines and it, really mm-hmm. resonated with it
0: thank you yeah i i've said that on my my tiktok a lot i always try to remind people too i'm like in terms of the um the comparison game at, game at least i'm like if you see someone in your field specifically like say you're a knitter and that you're known for being a knitting TikTok, and another knitter comes along and they are the next alex earl for knitting like it's good that they're blowing up for you because they're now introducing a whole other audience to something that you do as well. So like you want your competitors to succeed because they're also opening doors for you as well in the field. Um, you you should be concerned when your competitors are also kind of getting crickets. <laughs> um, now, my next question is, what has been the hardest app to adapt to and what has been the easiest?
1: I had a really hard time with TikTok. I mm. put my foot down and I was like, this is going to go away. It's going to be a phase it's not going to stick. Yeah. (laughs) What
0: year, what year did you down, what year did you like start posting on TikTok? Was it 2020? I
1: think it was last year.
0: Okay. Um, Sorry. I just had to ask. I was curious.
1: Really going into TikTok, I'd say it's probably been a year. I'd have to go back and like look at my videos, but I think I did download and sort of start posting in 2020, but it was hard. I mean, I'm, it's, mm-hmm. you're starting all over. I have this Instagram audience that I yeah. built. And at the time, it wasn't as big as it is now, but I mm-hmm. have such a dedicated audience over there who cares about my mm-hmm. content. They care about me as a person. And it was hard to like convince myself to try TikTok.
0: Mm-hmm. I had to
1: hear from a bunch of creators that I like and follow and mm-hmm. respect that they were having success on TikTok and that I should just try it before Mm -hmm. I finally committed to it. Um, Video was so hard for me. It was not something that I was comfortable with. It wasn't something I did. It Mm -hmm. was an important aspect from my blog. Um, Mm -hmm. Video really well uh, ad-wise on my blog. Mm -hmm. And so it was important for me to have videos for my top performing recipes, but I outsourced it. I never did mm. those videos myself, and the ones that I did they they just weren't as good. I didn't like them as much, and it took mm-hmm. so much time. It was so hard yeah um, and then it became so much easier for me when I realized I can shoot this content on my phone. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make at work on my camera, and lighting isn't like it is on the phone it's it's not yeah. as automatic it's not just not as user friendly. It's not as easy. I understand taking pictures. I understand editing Mm -hmm. them. Video is a whole nother language that I didn't feel like I even had the time to learn because I was Mm -hmm. still trying to get my business off the ground. This was right after I quit corporate and I was like, I'm going to make this. (laughs) And the majority of my income comes from my website. It's passive Mm -hmm. income from the ads on my website. So that's where I need to spend the majority of my time because mm-hmm. that's where money's coming from so then to make these videos for social media where it's a portion of my revenue it's a nice portion but it's not it's not mm-hmm. what my website does yeah. and i couldn't justify it uh in terms of roi um mm-hmm. And then I I just started playing around with it. I guess I got used to it. It became so much easier for me. But TikTok yeah. forced me to learn video and it pushed me out of my comfort zone. And now I'm so glad that it did because I have mm. so much fun with it. I understand
0: yeah.
1: my um like almost template to how I mm-hmm. shoot my videos and how they get edited. And if you don't get pushed out of your comfort zone, you won't grow, not only mm-hmm. as an individual, but also as a brand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say TikTok in the beginning was the scariest app to like. So when I got on TikTok, it was it had just tr- jumped from Musical.ly and my boss at my company had made me basically take over their TikTok so I was terrified but I will say that I think the reason so many creators have come from TikTok is they created this really easy unif- user interface where it was a lower barrier to entry to post videos whereas like with YouTube it was so hard to figure out how to post videos there like even today you still have more hoops you have to jump through um but TikTok made it so that anyone could post videos um And what would you say, maybe not even adapt to, but what would you say has been the easiest app for you to use?
1: I think I would say Instagram, but Mm -hmm. with a caveat. I started my business there, and so for me, that felt the most natural, Mm -hmm. Um, easier to adopt or adapt to the (laughs) small changes that they would make, like bringing Instagram stories to the platform when Snapchat said, you can't buy us. Um, But it's not easy to figure out, like, their algorithm. Mm -hmm. I never know what's going on. And I will sometimes get in these ruts, like, I'm currently in this but where i am struggling to reach new people mm-hmm. even though they say that they want video and they keep going back and forth they're like we're gonna push video and now we're gonna push photos again and now i think they're sort of limiting a lot of people's reach because they want to push yeah. them into their new subscription service
0: oh so i think I'm you're
1: feeling like i can't wait for that to come because they say they're going to expand reach if you pay 15 dollars a month yeah. and my reach has been so low lately and I feel like it's a trick that they're mm-hmm. trying to force me into this
0: and yeah. I'm
1: going to fall for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. so that's actually fascinating you bring that up because um, it, it is kind of like dangling a carrot. I know, I feel like TikTok does the same where they will pull everyone's views down and then make people feel pressured to buy sponsored posts which yes. I've seen people I follow that are so millions of followers, like so talented and they're doing sponsored posts. And I'm like, this is so unnatural. Like usually they get such an organic reach. Um, That would be a good point for Instagram. I could see them doing that. Um, I actually have a theory that Instagram, I guess if the TikTok ban goes through, they might lean back into reels. But I've always said, I think Instagram wants to be the new Patreon Um. Mm-hmm. And they have the most, like, I feel like if you follow someone on Instagram, like you're very loyal to them. Um, whereas TikTok, you could follow someone and never see them again. But Instagram is a very, I think, intimate platform. And so that I think would be the only place people would maybe pay. But yeah, I've always thought they wanted to be like a Patreon eventually. Um, yeah, and I remember you saying yeah. that
1: in one of your videos recently. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of clicking with me because they have that subscription feature. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I haven't used that yet. Um, I just can't find a reason why I would need to use that. But yeah. that does make sense. And I agree with you that the people who are on Instagram are much more connected to the people that they follow. And that's why everybody's so angry about seeing people they don't follow, just like the For You page yeah. on Instagram. And yeah. before, we, before I forget, I want to ask you, when you say sponsored posts, um, you said people mm-hmm. with millions of followers we're having sponsored posts, do you mean that they are boosting their posts, like running ads, or do you mean that they are working with brands on sponsored posts?
0: Oh, no, that's a good question. No, not like the typical brand deal. Like they're just videos that they, like their own videos, they're just putting paid behind it. So, yeah. their videos that I would normally see on the For You page, I don't see them for a couple of weeks. And then I'll see a video and it says like sponsored under, which means like they're not work And it's not like it's a, um, it's not like a white listed ad where they were like working with some like vacuum company and the vacuum company put money behind it. It's like right. they're just sponsoring their normal posts um, to yeah, try and I'm get more reach. Yeah. I <laughs> think right, it's, it's a it's common like, thing God now.
1: Forced me into that. Yeah. And it's, it's really unfortunate to be honest um my tiktoks especially my trader joe's series they were doing so well um mm-hmm. i don't know if you saw my trader joe's yeah. series, the easy mm-hmm. meals, the trades trader joe's ingredients um that just took off and yeah so many of those were going viral and one <laughs> i posted like a day ago. I think it has like 6,000 views.
0: Yeah, and It's
1: a good recipe too. It was one that I was like, people are going to love this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is going on? I feel like they're pushing me in to, to like boosting my post.
0: Yeah. I think it's happening to a lot of people. The one way that the two things that I think are working right now on TikTok is one, and I, I kind of hate these. I've done them before and they've gone viral, but I hate them. Like the cap cut templates. I mean, one girl put it perfectly. And I think TikTok allegedly, I'm not sure, took her video down, but she was like, the CapCut templates are like the Facebookification of TikTok. And I was like, that's such a good way to put it. But um, also the, so I have a theory that TikTok sees all of these competitors. They see YouTube, they see Instagram, and they're kind of um, coming for them. And I think that they're like, how can we watermark people's videos without the typical watermark? Because people have apps now that take that off. I think they're pushing videos that are comment replies. So like if they have the comment box on the top and they're just answering someone who asked them a question, they are pushing those videos in the algorithm because it's their way of kind of like watermarking a video without oh. watermarking. So it's their way, I say it's like a dog peeing on a fire hydrant. Like they're like, what's the one feature on our app that like if people take the watermarks off, it's still native to TikTok. Like no matter where they copy and paste the video, people will know that it originated on TikTok. And the comment reply is a way for them to kind of like watermark a video. So See, that's
1: why I love your yeah. account because I feel like <laughs> you have this insight that I don't hear everywhere else. I mean there are Thank some you. people who I just feel like regurgitate the same mm-hmm. information over and over. It's just a different person.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like the, what I hear from you is actually unique.
0: Thank you. It,
1: it makes me think. And what I'm hearing from other people um there, It doesn't make me think. It, to me, it's kind of like, well, duh. Like what you're yeah. saying is like basic knowledge that maybe someone who's just starting out and their career is in finance. Yeah. <laughs> marketing, so they don't know any of this. All of that is like a big aha moment for them. But yeah. there aren't many people out there who are providing such valuable insight. Thank and you. that's why I sent you that email. Asking
0: oh, thank you. you. Yeah. I know. I
1: consulting.
0: Yeah. Once <laughs> I have, have more time.
1: Really cool insight. Thank that you. A lot of people don't have.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I always, um, a few people I've had meetings with even a while, like a year ago, I had a meeting with some people from TikTok and they, my real name is Colleen and they call them Colleenisms. They're like, But I just call them tin hat theories because I'm always like, I don't think they're true. I'm just throwing these things out there. But sometimes I think sometimes they could be a little insight. But I'm always thinking, what do the apps want? Like, what do they what do they want? And I'm like, TikTok wants to, like a dog, pee on the fire hydrant. How do they do that? Comment replies is the only thing that's native and makes sense for like TikTok. But yeah, if I ever have, yeah, if I ever have more free time, I'm definitely going to open up consulting, but I'm like, I I love it. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, and then, okay. So now moving forward, this is me doing creeping on you. Um, you did a triathlon in 2018 and my question is, what was that like? And were there any philosophies from training for that, that you've adopted for your social media career? Me trying to make it deep, but like, have you taken any lessons from that to your career?
1: So that means that you have read my incredibly outdated bio.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) my website, I've been meaning to update that. Um, The triathlon was incredible. It was such an incredible Mm -hmm. experience. I used to run in this running festival where I'm from in Baltimore. I live in New Jersey now, so we just moved here last year. Mm-hmm. But I would run in the Baltimore Running Festival every single year. And wow. I was never a runner. I, was not, I wasn't even an athlete. I didn't grow mm-hmm. up being an athlete. My parents put me in, like, art classes, dance, um, horseback riding. I was not an athlete. So figuring out how to run without being in so much pain and wanting mm-hmm. to, like, it after a third of a mile that was yeah. an experience but I I went from like 5ks and I did I did these every year in this running festival and the running festival has all these different races it's really mm-hmm. cool um, I could go on forever about it but okay. <laughs> I did 5Ks and 10Ks, and I did a half marathon, and one of my friends used to run in these races with me as well, and she and I were talking one day. We said, we should do a triathlon, not like a big one, a mini one. (laughs) They have these mini triathlons where it's a half a mile swim, a 12-mile bike ride, and then a 5K run. And so you do swim, bike, run in that order and it was so much harder than I thought it would be. I don't think I trained the right way. Um, You're supposed to actually ride your bike on like the road or a trail to train. And then getting in the pool (laughs) after, or sorry, I was doing it the opposite. I was getting in the pool to laps where you can stand and take a break if you need to. But when you get in a lake for a triathlon, There's no standing and there's people kicking all over. I got kicked in the face. Like it was scary. I'm pretty sure I almost drowned.
0: (laughs) Oh my (laughs) gosh. I never thought about that.
1: My dad was there and my husband, who at the time was my boyfriend, he was there and they were like, where's Jordan? Like, is she okay? And my friend who I was doing this with, she was a college swimmer, and she teaches swim lessons. She's a coach now, and she's a great swimmer. So she was one of the first people out of the water, and they're like, okay, there's Hillary, there's Jordan. And They started right next to me. And I come out of the water, and I'm like, (gasps) like, barely breathing. But I made it out. I'm pretty competitive, so I was determined to find her on the bike. And okay. I pedaled my little legs off, up a hill, down a hill, whatever. And I found her <laughs> and then I passed her. And I think I worked my legs way too hard because when oh. I got to the day, I couldn't run it. And every time I tried to run, my knees like buckled and I would like <gasps> fall. And I was actually scared. I was like, I've never, I've never had an injury. I've never had surgery. I've never broken a bone. So this, to me, I was like, what is happening? What's wrong with my legs? Why aren't they working? I realized I could walk at like a moderate pace. I walked yeah. the whole 5K. That was so boring, walking three point whatever miles. And then I finished and I crossed the finish line um, only a few minutes after my goal time, which was two hours. I think I finished at like 2.04 or something. Mm-hmm. And I cried. I cried because I finished, and I was so happy that I finished, and I cried because I was in so much pain, and I was just happy that I could sit down. Oh, my gosh. As far as, like, philosophies, I never really thought about that until Mm. you asked me that question, Mm -hmm. and I would say, number one, never give up. Mm. So, as far as my business, like, I didn't give up. I persevered. I worked jobs I hated just so I could yeah. pay my rent and support myself and you know, put food on my table while I was building this business in my free time.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: if you want to do something, go for it. Don't wait until the right moment. There's no right yeah. moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Even if
1: it's really hard or really scary and even if you do end up failing at the end, just go for it because yeah. – or be happy that you, you did or you'll learn something from it I am a firm believer that everything happens for a reason and mm-hmm. even bad things that have happened in my life and at the moment it feels like my life is over and they're so horrible I have learned from every single one of them and I think that's yeah. what growing and maturing is: is that you learn from these experiences mm-hmm. so even if it seems scary just do it Um, and it doesn't have to be perfect just and this is something that um, I would always remind myself of in my corporate Mm nine-to-five
0: because I had
1: toxic managers who Mm -hmm. were hounding me for having a typo or not being Mm -hmm. perfect um, not living up to expectations whatever it was and I would say we're not doctors we're not surgeons like you know, just because this email went out to the wrong list, like nobody's gonna die, right it made me feel like somebody was gonna die, yeah, instead of helping me correct what was happening and keeping it from happening in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. so
1: while we can get in our heads striving for perfection, and you might be a perfectionist and mm-hmm. you want everything to be perfect. I think it ends up doing more harm than good and sometimes yeah. it's just more important and also so much more rewarding to just not quit than to strive for perfection so yeah. I didn't run that 5k of the triathlon but I crossed the finish line on my own and I that I'm so yeah proud of that. I think yeah I can relate that to my business
0: yeah yeah, yeah I I uh it makes me think, like, well, a couple of things. The never give up thing, I always say on social media, like, I know there's always this emphasis on having a good personality. And I think that's very important behind the scenes. But I always say, like, some of there's like, you can look up news articles. Some of the worst people are sometimes creators, especially, like, I think, like, some of the YouTubers. But The reason they're so successful, they don't necessarily have a good personality. They just keep showing up every day. Whether people want them there or not, they just keep showing up. They keep making videos. Like, and I mean, maybe there's some personality thing happening behind the scenes there, but like, it truly speaks to people being consistent because like there are people that are in the news for doing like you know setting a mattress on fire in their backyard and almost killing their neighbor who like couldn't breathe like th- but they just keep showing up they made a video the next day like they don't care like they and I'm like it's crazy yeah and, and so, I'm
1: just yeah. learning that too yeah that some of these people are totally different than they are online yeah and that's something that I've always strived to be I want to be me I, yes who you see, you know, online that is I hope is who you see in person I try very hard to be that same person too and I, yeah. I honestly think that having this platform with so many people watching me every day has made me a better person
0: yeah, me too. I think so. I'm more introspective cuz I'm like I'm leaving a footprint now every I yeah. even when I'm interacting with people at like a coffee shop. There's certain looks that people give you sometimes where like they might not know your name but they're like I've seen this person before. Like where have I seen them? I've seen them online. I don't know who they are. Like I can't put it. Usually when I start speaking, they like know who I am. I think my voice But it's made me more introspective because I'm like, everyone could be having an interaction with me that's seen me not ever, I'm not that big, but like, I never want to leave a bad taste in someone's mouth. And that's like the opposite end of that personality thing where there's people with bad personalities that are successful because they just keep showing up online. But it also, in the long run, usually hurts them because, like, me, I've worked with a couple different personalities. And the most successful people that I've worked with, I've worked with the Demilios. They are so kind. They're there twenty minutes early. They're like Mark Cuban came into um, my office once, and it was a small office in that day. And I mean, he was probably losing ten thousand dollars a minute by being there. But his interview finished and he went around the office and met every single person. He asked them what they did, if they enjoyed their work. Like he genuinely just was curious about everyone. And I'm like, and then we have people that would come in that are like maybe not as successful. Um and were like came 30 minutes late, a huge entourage, were mean to the parking attendant. And I always say, like, in the long run, it's those kind people that are successful because people want to keep working with them. People keep booking them for interviews um, to come into the office. But like, in terms of just the consistency i think people get this idea that like i'm not the funniest person in the room like i'm not going to be a good youtuber i'm not going to be a good tiktoker like i don't have the best jokes i'm like there are some pretty bad people that like aren't funny aren't any of that they just keep showing up and that's why they're successful on that app specifically behind the scenes they're probably losing out on a lot of opportunities but um so yeah. much of it is just showing up like you don't have to be the you funniest yeah
1: that is so true and that advice is going to live in my head rent-free for the rest of my life. Any time that I see a video that's not performing the way I wanted it to or expected it to. Yeah. I'm just going to keep showing up.
0: You just have to keep You're showing right. up. They the those people keep showing up. They don't care. They could have like everyone's blacklisted them. Like they're on the shit list. They just they don't care. They just keep showing up. So like they end up kind of like the algorithm eventually likes them because they're like the most consistent. But um, yeah, that's You're just like
1: wrong.
0: I, yeah, it, that it just speaks to consistency. But um, now that leads me to another question, and I'll try to get because I want to be mindful of your time. But one of them is food is one of the most lucrative spaces. And to put this in context for viewers, even the biggest creators and celebrities will launch food shows because of this. For example, Selena Gomez launched a cooking show on HBO. Why do you think food, because I have my own theories, but I want to hear it from you because you're actually in the space. Why do you think food is so lucrative?
1: So first, I think to answer that, because there's so many levels of food. Like you're talking yeah. about celebrities who are coming out with cookbooks and mm-hmm. most of them probably aren't even writing a single recipe in their cookbook. They just have their right. name based on right. it. selling because of who they are. Right, And then you have um, the celebrities who are Doing cooking shows, and then you have food bloggers, and there are some big multi-millionaire food bloggers, Mm -hmm. and the majority of their income is coming from their website. So that's one reason that I think it's so lucrative because it's passive income from ads Mm -hmm. on your website, and there's not really a ceiling to how much money you can make if you keep bringing in traffic and your traffic keeps increasing. You're like on your website and you're on a big ad network you can make a ton of money um Mm -hmm. another reason that i think it's so lucrative is that it's really not one size fits all you Um, can follow a simple recipe by just watching a video without any sound or text think of all of those creators like emily marika she -hmm. does not say a single thing in her video she doesn't tell you how to do it she just shows you and whether people are doing exactly what she's doing or they're taking it and using it as mm-hmm. inspiration, they're yeah. getting something out of her videos. And so with that, food can be so universal. You don't always mm-hmm. have to follow the recipe exactly unless you're baking. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's more of a science. And science. For me, um, you can yeah. use it as inspiration and you can put your own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing is that food is therapeutic for people. Some people love to sit there and watch cooking shows and they might not even be home yeah. chefs or bakers and they just love watching it because it's so therapeutic. Um, You know, think of all the people also who claim that baking is therapeutic. Again, baking is not for me.
0: Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> I'm really
1: more of a like, let me like pound that chicken.
0: That's yeah. <laughs>
1: like, you know, get your anger out with, yeah. With, or like roughly, chop some herbs, like that's therapeutic for me, but baking i that stresses me out, yeah, for some people it's therapeutic, and the last yeah. thing that I want to say on it is that food sparks creativity and it's a hobby mm-hmm. for so many people, and it's mm-hmm. a hobby that can come at almost any price point. yeah you can enjoy food at a low budget or mm-hmm. you can really ball out and eat some of the best food in the world and you know, it doesn't matter what your budget is. You can do it for high or low.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that kind of set off a light bulb in my head too. when you're talking about Emily Mariko, like food is universal and it, someone in like the Philippines, someone in Latin America, someone in the USA, they can all enjoy the same video, the same. They don't have to all speak the same language. It's kind of why I think like dance videos were so big in 2019. Like There is no barrier to entry. Like anyone could enjoy those videos no matter what their background was or what language they spoke. For example, in food, I think is something that transcends languages, cultures. And um, yeah, and I I think in terms of like the passive revenue and like – Part of what I think it is, is like food is something that people have to buy or eat like three times at minimum a day. Like it, they have to, you have to constantly consume food to live. Whereas like a really good pair of jeans in nature, you're only supposed to buy them once. Like you're not supposed to buy a new pair of jeans every single day when you need to put on a new pair of pants. Um, And like food is something that's like, you constantly have to be making it Buying it, consuming it, and so there's more room for people to like monetize or make money because they're not trying to sell something that people really only buy once, but have to buy multiple times a day or make multiple times a day. And that's why so many celebrities go into the food space as well because they see it's like a a way to make money. I, I think even like Paris Hilton just came out with like a. A pant like a cooking, cooking wear set, and I'm like, that's so random. But like, she? she probably gets it. Like, she's a smart businesswoman. I'm sure there's conversations that are like, you have to get into the food space. Like, all of these people that you don't even think associate with food all put out different recipes. And yeah, and recipes are evergreen. For anyone who doesn't know what evergreen is, it's like if I made a video reacting to like someone winning an Oscar on Monday, like. That's not really evergreen because it's gonna be outdated by the end of the week. But like evergreen is like if I put out a recipe for enchiladas, like someone in ten years from now could find that video and still get the same value as it as the day I posted it. But yeah, I think there's it's it's really I, I always I don't think people that aren't in the industry like they don't understand like food is I always say I'm in the wrong field. I wish I <laughs> knew how to cook because food creators they they They've got it going on. I'm um, grateful
1: okay. every day that I'm in
0: this niche. Yeah, no, yeah, it's 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 like the most self-sustaining niche I think. Um, now, okay, so I'll try to go through these a little bit quicker. That was my fault. I kind of had taken us in so many different directions, um, but I guess it's a good problem to have. It's a good conversation. So this is, I think this, I think I can probably guess what your answer will be. But if TikTok gets banned, where are you going to take your audience?
1: Back to Instagram. Okay, <laughs> I yeah. I'm in the minority of TikTok creators here. My main audience is on Instagram. I, okay. That's where most of my people are engaged and that's mm-hmm. where they care about me personally. I yeah. hear so many TikTok creators talk about how many friends they've made. Um, and how they've cultivated this incredible audience but for me I don't really have that on TikTok Mm -hmm. I feel like I really know the people who interact with me on Instagram they share some really personal and deep information with me and I've built so much trust with them Mm -hmm. um, over there on Instagram and I just don't have that connection yet on TikTok and and that also might be because I only share recipes on TikTok. I don't really share much about myself personally like I do yeah. on Instagram stories. I have a spam account on TikTok <laughs> that yeah. I've grown in, I don't know, a month or two to 3,000 followers roughly. Yeah. And I get a lot of engagement over there in the comments section, and several of the videos have gone viral. And I think mm. it's because I'm showing so much of myself, like inside mm. of me. My personality, yeah thoughts, my opinions, and I'm sparking conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and TikTok's hard too in the sense that like you could follow someone on TikTok once and never see them again. But like Instagram, you're seeing their stories. Like you're usually quite engaged with people on Instagram in a way that like I think TikTok is good for exposure, but like not for like watering the grass. Like you're not always going to get people who come back there. Um. It depends. I mean, yeah. Alex
1: Earl fan. Yeah. Fan yeah. On TikTok, and, now, and they are they love her. They love her. <laughs> yeah. That's not everybody, and that I think right. Unique.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and now you regularly partner with brands, but um, do you have a favorite collaboration you've done or like brand that you've worked with?
1: My favorite brand, brands aren't always easy to work with.
0: And mm-hmm. sometimes
1: yep. They want you to do things that you don't think is really in the best interest of the campaign yeah. because mm-hmm. it doesn't come across natural. Yeah, And one of my favorite brands to work with was Cedars. They make mm-hmm. incredible hummus. I wow. discovered them when I was living in Florida for a few months during the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. My husband and I just like packed up and and, yeah. cat, and moved to Florida for a few months. And so I was like, is this a Florida thing? And then my audience was like, Jordan, this is in Harris Teeter in Baltimore, like the grocery store. Oh, my store gosh. That I at. How have you never seen this hummus? It's the best. And so then I was laughing and I reached out to the brand and well, I tagged them in my stories. And they sent me a whole box of goodies to my Airbnb. Wow. Which was really nice. I got to try all their different flavors, some other things that they had. And then we ended up negotiating a six-month partnership. They were so easy to work with. I loved creating recipes using their hummus because it was so good. And it was also just so genuine because it was something I found and I loved, not something that a brand reached out and said, hey, try this. If you love it, let's work together. Mm -hmm. And I'm not – like I think a lot of people have these – Opinions on influencers, and maybe it's true for some, but I will never do a partnership for a brand that I hate. I'll never lie to people that I love. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just I love those types of genuine partnerships.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I love that they were like, if you like it, let's. Because sometimes too. It can be risky taking a partnership if you've never tried the product because it's like, well, what if it's a bad product and then you kind of ruin your reputation for, you know, temporary money. So, yeah, it it can be a hard juggling game sometimes. Um, Now, if you could cook a meal for any celebrity, who would it be and what would you make?
1: Oh, Okay, mm-hmm. so I have never been a big celebrity person. I okay. don't have a celebrity idol like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a few celebrities who I love and even follow on Instagram, which is also rare for me because I'm not the type of person who wants to like really follow a lot of celebrities on Instagram. I don't care what they're doing with their lives. Yeah. My husband reads daily mail every day and he's always telling me what's going <laughs> oh on. Oh
0: my God, that's so popular. funny. <laughs> that's so funny
1: (laughs) um but there's a few that I really love and they just seem like such nice Mm down-to-earth people who I could actually be friends with and two of those people are Jennifer Aniston I have Mm. loved her since I first saw her on Friends yeah and I firmly believe that the person she is on Friends is like that is her personality
0: Mm -hmm. and Hillary
1: Duff hillary duff i follow on instagram she seems like such a good mom
0: say i agree yeah
1: and she just seems like such a nice nice person i actually know someone who's friends with her in person and said like confirmed that she is a really nice person and so those are two people who i would just like to be friends with i think if we had together it would be a lot of fun Yeah, and I think that maybe we could all be besties Mm -hmm. and uh, you know assuming that they don't have any food allergies or food aversions I would start us off with some caviar and chardonnay because I don't like champagne very much I know Mm -hmm. most people are like caviar bubbles but for me it would be a nice oaky buttery chardonnay because I love that yeah and for dinner we would have my favorite recipe from my blog which is a lemon orzo salad with garlic butter shrimp because it's so good it's also easy to prepare and when you're cooking dinner for people I or when I'm cooking dinner for people I want it to be Mm -hmm. easy but also taste really good because I want Mm -hmm. to spend my time with them, not in the kitchen and it's also something that I could prepare ahead of time and have it waiting and then we could eat it when we're ready and I've also never had a single person tell me that they didn't like it. So I'm pretty wow. sure that they would like it. And for dessert, I would pretend that I made cookies because I'm not a baker. <laughs> not big yeah. <laughs> I would buy a pack of Otterbein's chocolate chip cookies. It's a Maryland mm-hmm. thing. If you've never had them, see if you can order them. They're so good. Like some of the best cookies I've ever had.
0: Okay. And you'll have to send me the recipe that you mentioned because um I'll link well, it in the podcast and then I'll send it to my boyfriend to make because he's the cook in the household. And yeah. And I love that you brought up Hilary Duff. It's kind of funny too because uh, my boyfriend and I were actually talking about this last night weirdly about like Hilary Duff seems so well adjusted for being famous growing up and how one thing that I really like about her and I don't necessarily judge people that like a lot of people post their kids and stuff like that but um, she's very private about her kids like she won't let any photos be taken of them she doesn't want like their identities out there and I really really respect that because Mm -hmm. I don't I mean that's a conversation for a different podcast but just the people that are in the limelight and totally have opportunities to monetize their kids and don't because of like the you know giving kids their choice whether they want a digital footprint or not is yeah a whole other combo me too. I'm like that. I can't even get into because we'll be here all day. But yes. Um, yes. Um, and then, okay, I'm going to jump to the last question. And this could be about food. It could be about digital media, like whatever you want it to be. But um, I ask all my guests this. What is one thing that you think is going to be trendy in a year from now? And what is one thing that you think might be outdated?
1: Um, you know, I think you actually – Said this in one of your videos. Mm-hmm. You can't tell I watch a lot of oh, your videos. Thank you. My my TikTok time is while I'm getting ready in the morning, <laughs> okay. doing my hair. Good. Me too. Me and too. So um, I see people pushing for it more and more. The curated perfect feed and the perfect life, or yeah. the, the the thought that this person has a perfect life, yeah. is out people want real they want relatable Mm -hmm. they want to see that your house is not tidy and perfect all the time Mm -hmm. so maybe there's a few things everywhere it's it's not perfectly clean they want to see a person you know they don't want to see a person who is depressed and miserable but they don't want to see you happy 24 7 yeah showing up and you're constantly happy and nothing is ever wrong in your life that's not real it's not authentic nobody is ever happy all the time and mm-hmm. when you get, start getting vulnerable with your audience you they relate to you a lot of people yeah. can relate to having depression or anxiety and while that used to be so taboo it was something i grew up with and i never talked about it i was ashamed i was embarrassed and it's almost like it's like it's almost like it's cool to have anxiety or like every single person in the world has mm-hmm. anxiety but I, speak about it people really relate to it and they appreciate my Um,
0: yeah
1: and i don't know if this will actually become outdated or if i just want it to become outdated but some of the um i've seen it with some of the large creators um Mm -hmm. and a few brands especially blue Mm -hmm. but basically Mm -hmm. the sponsored posts they come across less sponsored and way more natural. Like the product just sort of seamlessly fits into the influencer's life. Like have you mm-hmm. seen the day in, day in my life videos for Bloom? Like somebody who's mm-hmm. promoting Bloom. Mm-hmm. They're like I woke up and I went to the gym and then I had my Bloom and then I went shopping and it just seamlessly fit into their life and it didn't even seem like it was sponsored at all. And so many of these brands, they have, you know a campaign brief and they want you to stick to it and they have all these talking points um but i'm much i'm much more likely to believe that an influencer who has these products seamlessly fitting into their life is actually loving what they're talking about than somebody mm-hmm. who is just regurgitating the talking points from the campaign yeah. and if yeah. i blogger feel that way how do you think the general public normies feel
0: yeah yeah and so are you saying that you think that the outdated will be kind of these like robotic campaign talking points that yeah yeah I I agree I think I think audiences are smart like especially gen alpha is they're the kids After Gen Z, and I in Gen Z as well, they grew up like on iPads, like they can smell an ad before you even start filming it. Like they just know. And it's still good to be transparent about the ads, but also letting it be natural. I always say authenticity is doing something you'd be doing, whether a camera is filming you or not. So, like, that's why it's good when you are working with brands to make sure that it's a brand that you would be using and you've tried. Or if you've partnered with them before and you want to partner with them again, like you would be using this product whether they were paying you or not. That's like authenticity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And
1: we're not actors, we're yeah. not filming a whole commercial. And, yeah. and it shouldn't be You're hiring me or any other creator because of mm-hmm. the trust that I have with my audience. And you like how I yeah. create my content and I fit in to your campaign. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to hand me basically a script and expect me to memorize it. I'm not trained to do that. That's not natural. And you're hiring me because you want this to be a natural fit. Yeah. And when you slap over the campaign brief and you say, here's the seven talking points that we want you Mm -hmm. to hit on – Second someone here is number one, they're they're gone. They know.
0: They know. Yeah, the moment they see your eyes like reading a script, like I am like sometimes I've tried and my eyes are like going by I'm like, no, this is so unnatural. Um <laughs> but yeah, okay, well, this has been so awesome. And I'm I've I've learned so much as well, just myself talking to you. And I really, really appreciate that you were on my podcast and answered all of my deep dive questions. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was really a great experience. Yes.